1: Hi, I'm Mark Fine. And I'm Ronnie Lerner. That's something a little bit different, but you are still watching footiology. Welcome to footiology TV. As you can see, Rocco, no show. Rocco's (laughs) off to China. Well, he's in China. And of course, that means he'll be watching some football next week between uh, Port Adelaide and the home team Gold Coast. And in his stead, uh, Ronnie Lerner from The Age. Great to be here. Great to be here, Finey, and uh, I hope that
0: Roko has the right uh, VPN in China because some, you know, some devices you, they can be blacked out, blocked out. So hopefully he is able to watch the other eight games next week rather than
1: just the Gold Coast. Game. if he doesn't, we've got the right band to take his <laughs> place. Let's, um, before we get stuck into the games, just a little bit of housekeeping. You're all over the world, hots or knots. Hots or Nots, the Rant Off. Beautiful. Being well-schooled. And just quickly, what did you make of the round? What sort of is the standout story? If there was a headline to come out of round eight, what would it be?
0: Oh, I think we have to cast our minds all the way, all the way back to Friday night. Ben Ronk, or Ronki, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it, but how about that for a third game? Just the lazy seven snags. So I think that was sensational.
1: How about yourself? It's hard to go past the <laughs> fellow from Benella. Um, his dad, Jim Ronk, played for... Benella, the Benella Saints. Is that right? There you go. And, yeah, I actually know a couple of people who played football for Benella, and a bit of a start... Often it's the case, isn't it? If you haven't heard of the family football name, delve into local football or country football, and you'll find that there are plenty of champions that have produced great footballers. For me, uh, a bit of the story out of the round. I reckon the headline out of the round is um, tick TikTok. tick-tock, time's running out for GWS. Mm.
0: Very interesting, that
1: one, yeah. A lot of injuries. Anyhow, why not get stuck into all of the games with our wraparound? It's time for the wraparound, where we look at all nine games. We give three of them the footyology special focus treatment, but the other six games certainly get a look-see as well. And you mentioned Friday night, of course. Mm. It was, uh, I think it always is. A tight affair and reminiscent of finals football when Hawthorne and Sydney get together. Absolutely. And this one was a special because, to be honest, Hawthorne seemed to have, if not control of the game, they, I think they had hand, to quote, (laughs) to use a bit of Seinfeld. Uh, Sydney, did they steal it? Ronnie Lerner, how did you, what what did you make of the game? And uh, again, come back, Sharon. Yeah, no action. Again, again, Was that one that Hawthorne had taken from them or one that Sydney deserved to win?
0: I look. They deserved to. Win. Yeah, yeah. I think it's unfair to say that the Swans stole. I thought it was a real throughout the whole game. It was a real arm wrestle. And these games have a the, the fix of these two teams. They have a real, especially in recent history. They've got a real, um, uh, I guess, a tendency to produce these really tight, uh, you know, contested games. I mean, last year there were those two magnificent Friday night games um, that went right down to the wire. And it was another. This was another example. They're they're really building a magnificent rivalry these two teams. And, yeah, it, just as Hawthorne looked like they they were getting away, like they managed to really, I guess, create some goals out of nothing, which they really do very well in tight games so through Gunston and Bruce. You know, they've be, been having great years, those two. But they just, Sydney just seemed to always find ways to get back into the game, get back into the game. And then the last quarter, they just busted the game open, five goals to one, and, um, nah, deserved winners. That was sensational. And, and second time in three weeks where they've come back on the road um, from three-quarter time to win. So, real character-building stuff there for the Swans, I thought.
1: I mean, it's unusual, isn't it? The Swans are unbeaten on the road. Mm. They're not holding their form as well at the SCG, but, of course, that's nothing to worry about. I think it's more circumstances. Mm. Uh, North Melbourne got them. It was a great game, and North approved, really, today, uh, on the weekend against Richmond, that they're stern opposition, and uh, Adelaide as well. Again, a game that could have gone either way when you... Look at the game. Probably the most unusual aspect of the game was how few goal kickers there were. Yes. Only 12 (laughs) goals to 10 scored by the Sydney Swans versus the Hawks. Three goal kickers for Sydney. Ronk 7, Hayward 3, and the man in the headlines, Parker. We'll Mm. talk about that in a moment too. And then for Hawthorne, Gunston 5, and Bruce, who remains at the height of his powers, kick 3. So there were... Within a game, it's always wonderful to have stories within games. And there were plenty of players putting together in the modern era of personal goal-kicking being probably for a good return, putting together very good games of football themselves.
0: Well, it was very interesting. At one stage, Ronke had Sydney's first five goals, and Gunston had four at the same period. I thought we were going to get ablett D Salmon marked two.
1: (laughs) You know what? If you you have a look at the um, total goals kicked... Yes, we probably did. <laughs> yeah, twelve <laughs> out of twenty-two. Yeah, in, in, in terms of in terms of the ratio, we yeah. probably had it.
0: Yeah, it was it was an extraordinary game from that perspective. But yeah, uh, I, I mean Benny, I mean Ronke, he was just uh, ex- just extraordinary, and he sort of went out of the game, you know, for a, for a period. But then he, but he kept tackling. But then, kept, no doubt, I mean, I think he was the first player in history seven goals, ten tackles. That that has never happened before. Which that's an extraordinary in itself. Yeah. And then, before for such a young guy to then. Um, you know, from a scoreboard sense, to re-inject himself into the game late when the game was up for grabs. So not only did he set up the game at the start, he finished it off at the end as well with two really important goals. It was a great
1: mark. I mean, that, it was. It was, a, it was an excellent kick into Ronke, but he took the mark, and you almost had to scratch yourself and say, "Is that the Kidney's third game?" Because he was under immense pressure. Stratton was flying back with the flight of the ball, mm. and given the scoreboard, given the hour. That was a really. You know, it was clutch. It was, it, clutch. it was clutch. Yeah. Regardless of the fact that he'd kicked six previously. Yes.
0: Yes. And and it, I mean, even uh, uh, there was, there's a storyline within this, and Sydney's ability to they just keep finding these players. their development up in up in up in Sydney is just sensational. I think eleven of their players were rookie listed. So I mean, a big tick to Sydney's development.
1: I know as a fact that John Longmire is a big fan of Will Hayward. He's and- a gun. He's kicked three goals in three games, all of them low-scoring, tight affairs, Mm. and all of them telling goals. He's an excellent footballer. Just very quickly before we move on to our next feature game, which is the showdown, Mm. Parker, he showed what a wonderful footballer he is. He amassed possessions. He kicked two vital goals, uh, but he also, with a lot of young players around him, imposed himself on the game, and I think that imposition with that bump on MP, we'll see him miss some football. I, I, what's he's been the, cleared. No, he's, oh,
0: he, he got cleared? Yeah, he's been cleared. Oh, well, there he's you go. He's been cleared, yeah. Michael Christian cleared him on Saturday. Oh, so, I should have known that, really. Yeah, yeah, comes. yeah. No, he's been cleared. So, good news. I thought that was a good news story. I mean,
1: it was a footy should action. He been, should he have been cleared?
0: Well, it was a footy action. I think... I think, think compared to Cochran? It has been compared to Cochran. I don't know how...
1: Yeah, I think he's very lucky.
0: Well, I mean, he I, I, to me, he sort of went in um, the right way, and Impy led him with his head. Now, yep. if, if I, I
1: think, I think Impy was committed to the ball. He double clutched at a ball that mm. was on the ground. So, Impy can't then raise his head, mm. turn his body. If we're living in the period, look for most of the time that I followed football that wouldn't have even been looked at. But if we are now living in this new era of duty of care by the person second to the ball, I think uh, Nick Natanui would ask, well, hang on a second. How is that not an act... Commensurate in lack of care to what I did.
0: That's a good point as well. There's no question that there is mixed messages already, big time, and it's very confusing for all concerned. There's no question about that. But just personally, in isolation, that instant, I thought Parker should have got off. But you're right, there is mixed messaging, and it's confusing.
1: Let's move on to the next game. It is what a rip this one. The showdown, and well, <laughs> let's start with the showdown medalist. I mean. The old Showdown medal, I never actually saw Stuart Showdown play, but he must have been a heck of a footballer. <laughs> but no better than Robbie Gray, whose five goals in the third quarter, turned around what was, for many people, the script being followed, that Adelaide, mm. three or four goals to the good at half-time, were the better team but that lead was reined in, mm. Robbie Gray did the reining, and then the last quarter was one for the ages. A great showdown.
0: Unbelievable. They're, they're already calling it one of the great showdowns. and This is number 44 now, yep. uh, if you include the, that final from uh, 05 or whenever it was. See, I've,
1: see I've, I've got it at 45. Oh, okay. There was a, oh, of the course, Rams, the Ramsgate, yes. Yeah, that yes, was not yes, played yes. on a football field, but I feel that they should be counted as a And Adelaide won point. that one, didn't they? <laughs> or was uh, it point Adelaide? <laughs> yeah, I think... I think Depends me, who you ask. I think, oh, I think Adelaide might have won it, but um, Josh Carr won the showdown medal. medal for starting it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think he, he realised he bit off a bit more than he could chew when he realised it was Mark Rashur that yeah, yeah. he started
1: with. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's he, oh, What's he doing here now? It's not good. <laughs> uh, it's the old Adelaide way of settling an argument That's in right.
0: the car park. That's right. But this, was, this had everything, this game. I mean, the last quarter was just hectic. I mean, they, they got out to, what, three goals? 17 points. Late, very late on. Adelaide hits the front. And then Stephen Motlop, the biggest moment of his very short Adelaide career, kicks a magnificent goal on the run under so much pressure. Ended up being the winning goal. And uh, happy days for the power faithful. Well, and you have a theory on... The, okay. Uh, yes. Hang on, I've got a deal. I'm going to fix the... He's going to hate this episode, Rowan. This lack of
1: continuity, we've got problems with the balls. The ball has some minds
0: of its to tonight. You know
1: what? That's um, different styles of hosting, I guess. Yes. The... the. <laughs> Alright, I tipped Port Adelaide in this, and I tipped, it, tipped them on the Friday preview edition of Footyology, and you can catch that as an audio download, a podcast... And then the reason I gave Rowan gave me the old eyebrow raising, and <laughs> to be honest, these um, eyebrows almost left his forehead and <laughs> were somewhere about three inches above his hairline, because I said, oh, I'm tipping Port Adelaide because of the home ground advantage, and that's not an Irish joke. That's actually something I am steadfastly believing in, and that is, in both showdowns and derbies, when... And it's often the case, because obviously ladder position doesn't mean anything, that I feel that these games could go either way and are going to be close. In games that I feel are picked to be tight, there is a home ground advantage to the team that has the spectator rights and the home ground rights to the game. So I think we observed Eddie Betts kicked one of the goals of the season and you could hear a couple of whistles and catcalls from the crowd. It was spooky. Now, it is unusual for an Adelaide or a Port Adelaide to play at the Adelaide Oval or in the past at Amy. Uh, to the deafening roars of the opposition fans. Mm. Of course, we know that there is, and there always has been, some umpire pull in terms of decision affirmation for the home teams, and that's part of football. But I just feel that a big home ground, home supporter, crest of a wave, can be ridden by a team, and... I feel that's how Port almost got back in the game, and maybe how Stephen Motlop found the winner.
0: Yeah, well, listen, that's not about theory. When you, I, I sort of all laughed as well when you uh, said that to me, but um, I think that's that has some merit because it would have been eerie, even spooky, for some of those Crows players, you know, at this fortress that they're so you know used to playing it, not getting that much support. So um, Ryder was back to his uh, best from that layoff that he had against Jacob. Isn't
1: that interesting? We had a couple of plays in the game. Ryder, I think, two games or three games. Yes. Back. And Crouch a couple of games yes. back. And I felt that Crouch tired. But again, being a running midfielder, and Paddy Ryder really, in a battle of the supreme heavyweights, because mm. they are two of yeah, he's a gun the defense. best yeah. Ruckman in the competition, uh, bested his opponent. He got mm. two goals. Mm. And they both fought like the great gladiatorial Rockman that they are. But I just think that that, good observation, Ronnie, Paddy Ryder might have been a bit of the difference.
0: And just before we go to the next game, Rockcliffe's best game probably for the club since at Port, which is a good uh, story. The next game now, and which the, was today's game. That was a ripper,
1: wasn't it? Well, the Cats and the Pies. I'm going to throw to you in a game that, well, look, both teams have been plugging gaps and, and battling injuries mm. for the season but it must be said that both sides have found some really good solutions to problems through adversity.
0: They have, they have, absolutely. I mean, you, you look at Geelong, for instance, Jack Henry, he's really standing yeah. up. Um, you know, Tim Kelly, I mean, he would probably be in the best 22 anyway, but he's just relished this, you know, because the Big Three hasn't really been assembled
1: too often for Geelong. That's right. And he's just
0: flourished. He's yeah. just flourished. And I mean, he
1: and Radicalia, mean, Yes. They, they were earmarked for senior football this year, both were picked mm. for round one. Uh, but. Again, just Geelong have been able, I think, much better than in the last couple of years to find, to outsource, you know, outsource out of their best 22. Yes. I think in the last couple of years that's been a problem for them, and this might be their way, not back into the top four. Well, they were in the top four last year, but I don't think they were relevant last year Mm. in the finals. I really felt that that top four came about because of maybe... um, home ground, it, you know, when you play eight games at home, mm. it might have been an inflated ladder position. I think this year is different. Mm. What's
0: your take? No, it's very true because, I mean, even like Kunico is, you know, they're finding all these youngsters, Like and Parsons is becoming a decent player as well, and Tommy Stewart, he was always a good player, but he's now risen, rising to that all-Australian almost level now, yep. and uh, I think that's a very valid point. Um, they still have their injury concerns, but, I mean, Ablett and Taylor back helps. they have no, another game under their belts. Yep. I mean, Ablett returns 32 touches, one goal. <laughs> I think he's now... Three or two off the all-time record of 30 disposal games. I think Sam Mitchell's on 121. He's on now on 119. Yeah, he'll get him. So he'll probably get him. And and listen, Collingwood—they had their chances today. I mean, they kicked five fifteen or thereabouts, didn't they? Yeah. So, um, like when I said it was a ripping game today, it was—it was that real arm wrestle. Like it was—it was a real—it um, was a real battle. Like every goal was really there was a lot of weight was on each goal that was kicked today. And so bad luck for Collingwood with, with Tom Phillips.
1: Yes. He kicked a couple of goals. Good play, a, Tom Phillips. Yeah, kicked an excellent goal and then got injured. Yeah. Got a heavy knock. Yeah,
0: um, an accidental knee from Chris May in yep. the back of his head. And that was on top of Darcy Moore, of course, re-injuring his hamstring. Yep. Which is, that's that's really bad news for Collingwood. And on top of that, Jamie Elliott Elliot has re-injured his hamstring at the VFL. Yes. So that's those Moore and Elliot are, are a fair way away now. And that's... Um, Listen, in a you know, you look at the ladder now. Is th- what is it? One game separating third and thirteenth. Those little things they could be the difference between the final spot and not for the Pies.
1: Why, why is for Solo being on the outer this year? He's played probably five games in the VFL, and he continues to be overlooked for you know some not curious choices, but mm. it, virtually everybody on the list is getting a game ahead of him.
0: Well, I think I think curious choices is a fair assessment. I mean, for three weeks no Blair and Main were ahead of him. Yep. Um, and if you were to say that before the season, you would have thought there is something going on. And f- I've heard that he's not the best trainer. Yeah, I think it's an attitudinal thing. Clearly, we know he's, he's got the, the talent. There's yeah. no question about
1: that. Well, look, we know that. last year he made public personal yes. battles with uh, mental health issues. Mm. And whilst any football club now is far more understanding of that than in the past, uh, a coach still needs to and a club still needs to have uh, levels of commitment through yes. training and through programs, fitness and um, exercise programs and if he hasn't been able to maintain those, and this is only guessing, because mm. there must be other reasons besides it has his football, to be. it has to be, his yeah. football, as we know, it demands him, and also he's kicked goals in the VFL, Yeah. so if you have a look at his VFL form, it says pick me, yep. interesting that he hasn't been picked, maybe now with Elliot re-injuring his hamstring in the VFL. Uh, opportunities will open up. At 5.15, you'd think there's a spot for a fasola.
0: That's right. they have to straighten up next week. Yeah.
1: Let's move on to uh, some of the games on the weekend, or the rest of the games on the weekend, and have a shorter, sharper, but hopefully just as incisive look at them (laughs) and start off with a really important game for the future of this uh, season in terms of top four, top eight, and premierships, and that is GWS versus West Coast. Uh, yes, GWS have a lot of players out, but when you consider the wealth of Richards at their behest, West Coast outs probably, to me, even outweighed them.
0: It's a big call, and it's not the most um, outlandish call, because you take the equivalent of Nick Nat, Shuey, and McGovern out of any team. Yep. So that's your best right? And Sheed. And Sheed I don't think was playing either, yep. that's right, yeah. But in terms of like the three outs, yep. so they just copped. Yep. You take that out of any team, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. One of their biggest knocks was travelling in recent times. They've now won four on the road now, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Anywhere but the
1: G. They're the, seen...
0: And they even won at the G. They met Carlton oh, there a few weeks ago. Yes, yes. I know it it's wasn't, Carlton. Yeah, but... no,
1: it wasn't probably as decisive. No, yet. it wasn't. It, it didn't put those demons to rest. No. But let's focus on uh, the weekend. And boy, oh boy. I, I, look, I know I'm, we're not going to steal any thunder because I know coming up uh, in our Hots or Nots will be Jack Darling and West Coast Eagles. Yeah. But he's his hands are fantastic. His belief is fantastic. And I love the way every time he takes a mark or kicks a goal, the first man on the scene almost looking like a fan jumping the fence to tap somebody on the bum after they've kicked 100 <laughs> is Josh Kennedy. He's yes, <laughs> deriving an or- enormous amount of pleasure in the success of Darling. And I think that he's been part of the off-field work to get Darwin's confidence back up.
0: I think that's a very good assessment, and if you ask me, I mean, I, on my own podcast, I've got a podcast called The Four Horsemen, last week I thought we were asked our grand final predictions very early on, third of the way through the season. I thought at that stage, Richmond-West Coast, just purely because they just keep winning at home, they're going to get two home finals. Now I'm very confident that this week's game will be a grand final preview. Richmond versus West Coast, who would have thought that pre-season?
1: Adam Simpson's done a magnificent job, and full credit to them... Um, Great effort, they're seven and one. I said this prior to the start of the season, I'm gonna say it again. I'll say it to Leon Cameron and you know what, the power of uh, social media and YouTube and uh, this program, Footyology TV, who knows where it ends up and who watches it. But Leon, I hope you are watching because Rory Lobb can't ruck. (laughs) He can't ruck. Now he can play, don't get me wrong. He's one of the best contested marks in the competition. We know that you love putting him into the back line at the end of quarters to shore up maybe a a leaky defence or to just get to a a break without any further scoreboard damage from the opposition. He remains a good contested mark. He can't ruck. He couldn't ruck against Lysette. And when Lysette wasn't rucking, they were throwing anybody else in the ruck. And to be honest, they were beating Rory Lobb in the ruck. He's just not a ruckman. It's maybe he because he's tall, he doesn't have the right setting of gravity.
0: <laughs> it's an issue for them, but from one end to the, of the spectrum to the other, Carlton Essendon. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: you were there. Tell us I about
0: it. Was, I was there. Um, same same stuff, different week for the Bombers, unfortunately. Um, I tipped Carlton with com- supreme confidence this week, having watched pretty much every minute of every Essendon game this year. They're in free for all the Bombers. Uh, the game plan, I can't... Make heads or tails of it. Um, they are a team completely bereft of structure, completely bereft of confidence. They, it, it's, there's almost a sense of, of self preservation mode out there on the field. It's No one wants to take the responsibility. They'll get the ball, handball it to a mate who may, it wouldn't even matter if that teammate is in trouble with the guy bearing down him, have the responsibility. I don't want it. Really, the, the forward structure is horrible. The forward delivery is just atrocious. And it just made life very easy for Brendan Bolton and Carlton yesterday on on the Saturday.
1: I, I watched the game and do you sometimes watch a game of football and think, gee, time passes quickly. Because I, I'm watching Carlton and the G on Saturday afternoon <laughs> and I did remember it, as you would when you've watched enough football, and I've watched more than any man should, <laughs> of great clashes between these two teams and of the halcyon days when these two sides were... Chock full of chock full of champions. Of course, the famous day when I mean, Kernahan uh, took the kick after the siren and yep. kept it on the floor. And, yep. But that day, if you looked around, there would have been Kernahan and Watson and, and, oh, and Bradley and yeah, yeah, heard, yeah and, and champions and everywhere. Champions here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. And there was just a moment yesterday, and there's nothing against these two kids, and they are maybe, maybe, taking the baby steps on the journey of being long-term mm-hmm. AFL footballers. But they didn't look at yesterday at the MCG when I saw. Um, much of Essendon and O'Brien of Carlton tracking the ball to the boundary and I thought that is just so VFL these kids have underdeveloped bodies mm. their skills at this stage don't demand a spot in an AFL team and they would get gobbled up these young young kids as I say that I hope and everybody hopes they're on the way to great careers mm. but at the moment it's boys on men's errands for both teams and I just knew whoever lost this team would be suffering the glare and um Essendon suffers the glare, and by extension, busher.
0: Yep, yeah, and just quickly before we go into the next game, big tick to Ed Kurnow. He's a very underrated player. Shut down Zach Merritt. Had twenty odd touches the other way. Ten tackles. Two goals. Magnificent game.
1: Let's move on to another game on Saturday, and this was a game that probably showed uh, a development in a side, and we're seeing different versions of Melbourne wins that are telling us that Melbourne is arriving on the main stage and if you're a top eight team, even top four team, you better learn how to cope with them. And that was that in a game that Melbourne probably always looked like they were going to win, they actually didn't just get that three or four goal victory by dint of having too many superior players. Mm. They put the foot down on the throat and send Gold Coast to, Port, uh, to China to play Port Adelaide in exactly the wrong state of mind. because mm. They've been brave, Gold Coast. They have been. But given how meekly they... Uh, surrendered in China last year and how poorly they prepared for it and how mm. full of excuses they were before the first bounce. The last thing they needed was an uh, an eight goal to two last quarter mm. to send them off with.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, listen, as you say, they've been brave, but this is what the eighth week now <laughs> they've been on the road, essentially. Yep. I mean, Brisbane's still an hour trip away from Gold Coast, so I think it might just be catching up with them a bit now, the Suns. Um, and I just wonder whether that... You know when they sold that game to Freo, whether they that may have just derailed a bit of the momentum. Because they started the year well. Two really good wins. Two and zip. And, you know, if they could have possibly played somewhere in Queensland, I don't know exactly. Maybe you know I mean they played in Brisbane yesterday, so if they if they managed to play I don't know Freo um, in Brisbane I don't know if that was possible if they could have done that they could have gone three zero possibly
1: Well oh, there was a million dollars that said they should yeah and of course the they, AFL's own money well the <laughs> yeah, AFL are funding paying them. themselves the AFL's funding them but if they can yeah. get the money externally yeah. just very quickly Tom McDonald again proves that mm. he's a capable forward mm. Jack Martin played really well you know he's taken a while to get probably the body that he needs to stand the rigours of AFL football, but he played an excellent game. Mm,
0: no, he was very good. What is our next, our next let's game? Go is, to, I mean, let's go yes. to Saturday night. There's yes. a
1: couple of choices. and Close to your heart. Yeah, we'll start with <laughs> Fremantle and St Kilda, and this game was, for Saints fans, if this was Saturday night at the movies... <laughs> and your missus chose the movie, or, or your partner, your husband might have chosen the movie, if you're a St Kilda supporter, 10 minutes in you would have gone, why did you pick this? We saw this last week. Why are we watching the same film? St Kilda can't score, St Kilda when they do. St Kilda for the first the first 10 minutes of that game, it was three minutes of one point, St Kilda no score. And St Kilda were competing and contesting as hard as any team could. But... Don't worry about the fact that at half-time, St Kilda were well, one goal, five. They must have kicked four, goal, four out on the full and another four wide of the mark, just bouncing out. So I reckon St Kilda had close to 15 shots at goal in the first half of one goal. Look, they've got a lot of young kids playing now. Mm. And I must say, I was very impressed with the first game up. We spoke about Tom Phillips. Yeah, Eddie. His yeah. brother, Ed Phillips, had run. He, he's got plenty of league football in him because he has all the modern ingredients of being able to run. One on one, he competes, and his ball usage. Well, at St Kilda, if you drop it and it hits your foot, you're um, sort of class average, and he's even better than that. So, you, uh. you know the problem. You know your problem. At, you know what your problem is at halftime. When you've won goal five, and you've kicked eight out of bounds. You've got a problem in that one goal. Was from a set shot by Sam Gilbert. <laughs> Speaking
0: of set shots, what has happened to Tim Emery? He used to be a beautiful shot for goal. What's happened to him?
1: As Lurch of the Adams family would say. Bah. Just quickly on Frio, um, they had to stand a bit of um, press during the week. My homekeeping. Do that because um, Rowan will love that. Because that. Uh, <laughs> This ball's got a mind of its own. Everyone's going to hate this episode, (laughs) but it's okay. It's different to you, Roman. That's the beauty of it. Um, Look, Frio had um, some distractions during the week. Yes, they did. Their coach is above that. They're clearly... And they had some players out. And for a team that is uh, not top-heavy in stars, to go into the game without Wilson, who's been Mm. fantastic for them, Michael Walters, Mm. who is such a... Brilliant forward, yep. and um, then another top player out, come to me in a moment. Um, obviously, they rely heavily on Fife, mm. and St Kilda are susceptible to 18th for clearances, so coming into the mm. game. Mm. So, you knew that Sandlands to kneel to Fife or Fife to Neil was yeah. going to be part of the game. Mm. Well, it was in the end, probably after St Kilda put in a spirited third quarter, it was clearly the difference in that last quarter. Was able, free out to get some goals. Let's move on to Bulldogs and Lions, and yeah, um, mm. uh, they are really proving themselves to be quite the attractive zero and eight <laughs> team, aren't they, Brisbane? Because they give you a good game, but they they prove something on Saturday night. They don't know, they have no idea how to win. Mm.
0: It's very interesting you say that. I mean, I reckon you take away that Richmond game where you know they keep two goals for the whole game. They've been at least in. In it at some stage wow. in every game, and they just can't get the job done. And yeah. you wonder how long it will take for that to start wearing down on a team. Like you know, the how long does it take for the enthusiasm to you know, gradually just chip, chip, chip down, down? You know, you keep losing, you keep losing. um It would be, it would be, I imagine, pretty tough to keep rocking up every week. um But again, they were they were quite late in this game. They were they
1: were within range. They yeah, were within yeah. range, but they just can't. I don't think they look like winning. I think yeah. I think we're now flattering them a little bit at zero and eight. Yeah. We're, look, the Bulldogs have a pretty inexperienced team. You mm. look around that field. Oh, absolutely. This yes. is not the side you expected the Bulldogs yes. to have, and they've got a forward line with some real um, rookie type players mm. who play rookie type football. So, I think the equation is pretty simple for the Lions, and they've got a they've got a midfield blessed of a lot of ability. They've got Beams in there. They've got Zorko. Mm. Uh, Martin the Ruckman? Yeah, Stephen Martin's a a Ruckman who completely dominated because the Bulldogs (laughs) chose to go in without Tim (laughs) English. So Boyd only played occasionally in the Ruck. So the main Ruckman was (laughs) Dunkley. So, of course, Martin's going to dominate. And really, when you added everything up and watched the game, he was one for Brisbane to win. Norton, who's a very important defender for them, did an ankle and Mm. knee in the one um, unfortunate action, and he was off the ground. So there were possibilities there, and this is Brisbane... Driving at them now, when you think of a team well, with a few minutes to go, right in the position to win this game, they've got the momentum and they, and they and they muck it up. You probably think of, Oh, did a guy miss a shot from 30 out, or did somebody make an error at full back? Mm. No, it was, it was, it really was sort of symptomatic of the Lions that it with five minutes to go, whoever had the ball was going to lose in the game. And incredibly, it was Lewis Taylor...
0: Oh, that handball. In the middle of the ground. Yeah, that was terrible.
1: They're transitioning from forward to back line. They've got players streaming down the ground. I mean, they are off to the races. That killed them. Lewis Taylor takes a mark on the defensive side of his own square, Mm. that defensive line of the square. And he could go left, he could go right, he could go over the top. And he handballed into the man on the mark, Mm. who only then had to kick it to two Bulldogs players who had been left flat-footed on their own in their own 50. Yeah. Well, that gives you an no idea how many Lions players were storming up the field. That's right, yeah. You know what? I mean, that is just... Mm. That That's is, a good point, yeah. That is a 1,001 ways to die, or, <laughs> or in the Lions case, a 1,001 ways to lose the game because they just, at the moment, don't have much self-belief.
0: And speaking of Norton, they're now not an eight. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Norton 8. <laughs> Norton.
0: Oh, boy. And I think we've got one more game.
1: We'll, we move on. Which was a good game as well.
0: That was a... Good
1: value, Northampton.
0: Oh, I, I love North Melbourne. They're, they're, they're fast becoming my team of 2018. Yep. You know, they're not the most flash, they're not the most sexy team, but, geez, you know what you're going to get now. I mean, there's a real body of work now. Eight weeks of... Maybe that poor game was probably the one blip. You know, you know, maybe the Melbourne game to an extent, but they were, they were quite competitive in that game as well. I, I just love the way they're going about it. They're, they're just so organised. They're, they're all hard. They have a crack. I mean, they pushed... Richmond, the, the raging hot, red-hot, you know, premiership favourites. They pushed them right to the line today. And, yeah, and, we'll and talk- after
1: being down, you know, that, at one stage it was 8-6 to 4-3. So That's right. Or something yeah. along those lines. They are down they're, by four or five goals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 52-26. Yeah. Now, they're playing the team with the best finishing record That's in right. the game. That's yeah. right, And they really could have won it. Well, we talked about this off-air before
0: the show. Benny Brown, you can't, you cannot tell me that footy isn't played above the shoulders because those two shots he had late on that he missed, unfortunately, for them. I mean, if, if he had those shots in the first or second quarter, he's such a beautiful... He's one of the most beautiful kicks in the comp. They were going straight through the middle. Yeah. And it just got to him. The pressure got to him. I think he knew what was at stake with those kicks and, and fluffed it, unfortunately. And just a, as a subtext to that, I, I just... Um, I was quite uh, bemused at the, the umpiring interpretation of um, the continuous play-slash-advantage rule. At yep. uh, one end of the ground, it was early in the game, but uh, Caddy, uh, everyone stopped. Caddy even stopped, looked around, he was given the advantage, ran on, kicked the goal. And at the other end, Mason Wood, it was a very similar situation. Play stopped, Mason Wood sort of stopped, ran into the open goal, kicked it, but no, the umpire brought it, brought back. Brought it back for Brown to have a shot for 45 minutes out. And in a game where it's decided by 10 points, it's, um, who knows what could have been, but North Melbourne, they're right in the finals mix now. They've beaten Hawthorne, they've beaten Sydney, they've pushed Richmond. Yep. They have to be a real finals contender now. Good on.
1: Good call, and uh, another great job by Jacobs this time. Yes, Dustin yes, Martin.
0: great job. Yeah, yeah really
1: good. Yeah. And Dustin Martin, um, you know, frustration almost bored over a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. That's it for the wraparound. Uh, stick around for Hot or Not. It's time now for Hot or Not, and great to have Ronnie Lerner, by the way. uh, Not that I know if you can even start watching uh, (laughs) Ponyology TV halfway through, but if you've just joined in and you want to know where Rowan Connolly is, he's currently in a detention centre in China. Apparently he's transgressed some of their communication laws and we expect him back for the 2043 season. Now he's off in China, part holiday, part work, and he'll be back when the money runs out. Let's start, I'll start off with a hot Go for it. And I want to, being a former umpire, mm. and I know the umpire's caught the hell of a lot, especially, and I think most people understand that umpiring this game is difficult, and most of the frustration stems from interpretations imposed on umpires by uh, the lawmakers and the AFL who want to change how the game looks. So when there's an opportunity to give an umpire a bit of a bunk-up, I take that opportunity. And Eleni Gluftis was umpire in a game between Carlton Essendon. She was. Now, it's not easy being an umpire that is easily identifiable because most fans, during the irrational state of following a game of football, especially when they're there, have anger for all umpires. But, you know, umpire foot, umpire umpire stevic most umpires just blend into one another (laughs) meredith this that who knows who knows who knows who's donland who knows who's margetts they're all you know 182 centimeters sound like a jockey (laughs) clean clean cut and hard to pick the difference so when you get somebody like um uh ray chamberlain uh, ray chamberlain who's knee high to a grasshopper or Eleni Glufsus, who of course stands out because she's the only female field umpire, they're often often sort of a beacon for criticism because people go, I hate Chamberlain or that Glufsus is no good. It's it's a name that they can readily pick Mm. because it's somebody that they've readily identified. And I think Eleni last year copped a fair bit of criticism for on her debut in a couple of games. And look, it's not easy starting out, and maybe some of it was justified. So I had a close look at her yesterday, and I thought she umpired well, well enough. But uh, the key is key moments in a game of football. And the key moment in this game of football came in the last quarter, when a ball was kicked into the Carlton forward line. And she paid a decision that I find some umpires are incapable of paying through a lack of understanding of the rules. And the rule clearly states that a ball is to be called a mark when a player has control of that ball. Now, that can be a split second. If a player takes a clean grab and the ball is instantly punched out of that player's hands, it is a mark if it's brought to a dead stop. And Sam Kerridge took a mark that others may not have played, but was clearly a mark. Mm. And I think it was a great decision by Glyphsis. So she gets a hot. Very good call, very good call.
0: Well, I'm gonna start off with a hot as well and we sort of touched on it earlier in the program, but West Coast, um, in particular, Jack Darling. I mean, he's had, speaking of knockers, he's had his knockers in recent years. Um, you know, knocks on his ability to, um, you know, possibly get a hard contested mark, the contested ball. It was obviously the incident in the 2016 elimination final.
1: He came out very badly. Which is the haunting. Grand final and a that's and right. preliminary final.
0: That's right, that's right, the grand final as well. But he has just um, really taken um, because he initially at the start of the year he re- the responsibility really was on his shoulders because Candy had missed the first month or so. But he's just gone from strength to strength. Even with Candy back in the side, he's he's on all Australian track. And I really you know pay him a real a lot of respect and a lot of credit for the season he's having. And he's having he's been one of the, the driving forces behind this remarkable West Coast season now. And the Eagles have now won seven in a row for the first time since 1996 or thereabouts, um, and uh, it's just an, an extraordinary achievement. There's now already after eight games, there's two games separating the top two and the rest of the comp. It's West Coast and Richmond. So for West Coast to already be in that rarefied air, when everyone, I reckon, well, maybe except for the people in, the, in WA, everyone thought they were going to be bottom four, bottom sixteen this year. Yep. And they've just been a sensational story, and what a win it was on the weekend against you know a supposed premiership contender on their home deck. Magnificent! Well done, West Coast.
1: Uh, my next is a well, I'm going to go for a knot, mm. and I'm going to stick with umpiring, because <laughs> right? I hate moments of the completely lack any common sense whatsoever, and in the game between Geelong and Collingwood. There was an incident where a boundary umpire and a goal umpire and a field umpire were able to make a decision that defies logic. And it involved uh, a Adagalia and he took a mark in the forward pocket and he actually grabbed the ball just inside the boundary with one grab and then toppled over the boundary. And Mm. the boundary umpire was able to tell the field umpire uh, that it was a throw-in. Now, how can you have the ball thrown in? He's... If, if he contended that the ball was juggled over the boundary, it simply wasn't. Were you, you familiar with the incident? I, did, I missed that incident. Okay, it happened in the forward pocket, and it was replayed a couple of times, and it simply was an opportunity for the field umpire, who holds seniority over the boundary umpire, to say, look, son, mate, pal of mine, the bloke took a one-grab mark. It was an or outside the line. It denied Radically a shot of goal, and the young footballer didn't... Um, he didn't protest. He didn't. Uh, wasn't demonstrative because he probably um was in his first year of football, so bemused, confused, and misled that he wouldn't have known what was going on. But it just shows with the, the common sense applied by Lenny Glufsus, uh On the same weekend, there was a lack of summit at another game.
0: Two sides to every coin, I right. guess. Finally, um, I think I'm going to follow in your footsteps and go with a not as well, and. Like, there is two sides to that coin. There was two sides to the coin on Saturday at Spotless Stadium and the GWS Giants. I'm not quite sure where they're at at the moment. I mean, I know they've had their injury concerns, and at one stage a few weeks ago, they were dead set missing 10 or 11 of their best players, so that's fine, but they're starting to get their plays back. I think they're still missing probably six guns, so they're missing... They're missing Green. They're missing Scully. They're missing Deledio. They're missing Kelly. Kelly yeah. They're missing Kennedy, and they're missing Williams. So that's a decent six yeah. or seven. But on the flip side, like you said earlier in the in the um, in the piece, West Coast were missing. I remember,
1: nat- they played Patton in the Nephil. Yeah.
0: yeah, and there's that too. So there's the, there's the issues going on there as well. They brought in. Um, lob back for for, for the ruck uh, uh, and I don't know what they do with their ruck because Dawson Simpson clearly is out of the favour they don't rate him anymore they gave him a shot earlier in the year that he was dropped and I think that's probably his paper stamp for the year almost but I just don't know where they're at at the moment because I, uh, they, I fear that they don't have the same amount of depth they've got a, a really strong twenty twenty five, but it really falls away quite quickly beyond that and I think Leon the coach is, is really struggling to get his head around it and they just don't seem like a team playing with much, you know, um, pep at the moment. They're just sort of going through the motions. They now find themselves outside the top eight, which yep. I think a little alarm bell.
1: But, you know, we're round eight now. The alarm bell should have rung when they couldn't beat some killed.
0: Yes. They? And now we've got another alarm bell. So that's two alarm bells in the space of a month. Yep. And, well, you know, if, if, the, if they can't get those, those players that we mentioned back early enough... These guys that they are, that are available, they're going to have to find a way to win, like Geelong has been able to do so well. They're in the top four now. Yeah. If they can't do it, it could be a really surprising year for the Giants, and it could be, well, ramifications.
1: I agree. Mm. You know, those alarm bells ringing reminds me of an early episode of The Simpsons when Homer went to buy a RV, one of those um, Winnebago-type things, <laughs> and he picked out the best one, and as he was um, having his finance confirmed by the salesman, the salesman tapped in the computer and then the computer this light went off and this siren started going off and go, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> and Homer said, is that a good siren? And the salesman said, Homer, have you ever heard a good siren? <laughs> and it's like the alarm bells at GWS. there's no good alarm bells, so I suggest they keep their ears peeled and... Realise that there's some problems there. My last one is a knot, and I don't like finishing on a negative note, especially last week when I had a hot for Gold Coast, who uh, lost uh, against Bulldogs in Ballarat, but they played eleven. Oh, I'm sorry, nine Queensland born yes. players, which yeah. was a record, and I thought that was a great achievement in a, a close fought game. Mm. Well, they have plumbed new depths this weekend. <laughs> In the NEFL, they filled it aside with eleven senior-listed players, and their total score was zero four four. Failed to kick a goal in the NEFL. That and is, if that is, not, if that is not <laughs> a serious issue. Jeez, that's unbelievable. Zero four four in the NEFL. probably the weakest of all of our secondary or, uh, to use an old term, reserve competitions. Wow. Eleven listed Gold Coast players, and they kicked zero four four. That's
0: train wreck sort of territory. That's real. That's that's, That's a worry, isn't it? Alarm bells becoming a theme of this show. (laughs) There's an alarm bell. Yep. And I think I'll finish off with a hot. Um, And my hot goes out to a guy by the name of Ben Cunnington. Set the all-time record on Sunday slash today for contested possessions, thirty-two. The lazy thirty-two is just a magnificent player. Is one of those guys. (laughs) You'll just love to have him in the trenches with you. I mean, you know, he can't. He's not the the line breaker. He's, that's not his job. Yeah. But geez, he's on the. He's at the coal face. He's tough. I mean, I, there was there was an instant, There was a, um, a a moment today where he squared up to Dusty, you know, got in his it. face. Yeah, that was a,
1: that was after Dusty sort of um challenged Ben Jacobs. <laughs> yes, that's and right. Cunnington was great because he sort of snuck in there on false pretences because <laughs> he actually went in there to he went in there to. Have a word with the umpire. But then he turned around and just... <laughs> he said, I'm not really here for that, mate. Don't worry about that. And yeah. he got stuck right around
0: <laughs> with a Trojan horse. That's it. <laughs> no, nah, uh, uh, he was... He's sensational. And he's really indicative of the year that they're having. Like, all their... Like, their best players are really... They're playing to their capabilities. And, you know, the youngsters see that. They they see, you know, this is how footy's... More housekeeping. I'm yeah, yeah. right? yeah. just doing it as a matter of course. <laughs> and, and there goes... And, the ball. More, and, you know, it's... um. <laughs> Row will love this episode. Yeah. And he's just been magnificent, just like uh, most of his senior teammates. And just a quick little hot, I know we mentioned him earlier. Ben Ronk, seven goals, third game. What more can you say? Senior Sandy it? Roberts one said when Ablett kicked that magnificent goal all those years ago.
1: What more can you say? <laughs> I can say this. It's time for the RANT-OFF! Well, it's some people's favourite part of the show, it's other people's favourite part of the week. <laughs> oh, look, we enjoy doing it, it's the rant off, and Ronnie, uh, di- sort of tradition dictates that uh, you'll go second. That's fine with me. And that means that I'm off first, now can you count me in, this is going to be hopefully a bit of fun. Three, two, one. I'm pissed off, Ronnie. Oh, was that? Because Rowan's not here to give me my weekly dose of Rocco's rant. Rocco Goes Loco has become part of my life, and I've gone from being attracted to it to addicted to it. In fact, it's this time of the week that he inserts a little bit of ham acting into now what is oxygen for me and my weekly dose of, I'm pissed off, Finey. Well, I'm pissed off that there's no Rocco saying, I'm pissed off. And there's no Roco segueing into, You know what really pisses me off? And then a diatribe into the latest transgressions by the goal review system. Some stuff up over a point, some disagreement over an out of bounds on the fall, or heaven to Betsy, Rowan, an apoplectic fit over a player having his fingers bent back and it being shown more time than reruns of Shawshank Redemption on TV. I miss you getting all fussy and het up about it. And then I miss, somehow, how you segue into hating the goal review or the score review situation to your weekly, you're just able to insert jab and jibe at Coldplay. What has Chris Martin ever done to you? Sure, they're a little bit trite and maybe predictable and their music isn't exactly Rage Against the Machine, but why do you rage against Chris? Are you confusing him with the New Zealand bowler who was the worst batsman of all time? Just because Chris Martin couldn't score a run doesn't mean that Chris Martin cold Coldplay can't score your affection. <laughs> Leave the poor bastards alone. And then, of course, at the end, Rowan always turns around to me and said, well, what do you think of that? So as I end my tribute, or may may I say my uh, desperate tribute, Desperately needed dose and missed dose of Roko's Loco. So I turn to you, Ronnie Luna, and I say, well, what do you reckon? <laughs> not bad. Oh, I did. bit out of the, out of the box. A you know, bit out of the square. Anyway, we've, we've got Roko back now. We're not going to say how, but... Mm. We've done enough to make <laughs> Rogan particularly angry with this episode of Footyology. <laughs> the keen eyes out there will be <laughs> on <awesome. laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I think I think everybody, better. Andre Bocelli would. Um, <laughs> is it Bocelli or Botticelli? Botticelli, oh, yeah. Bo- oh, What I'm is Botticelli? It. it sounds familiar. Botticelli. No, it's not. It's not. He's Andre Bocelli. He's one. But what Bicelli. is Botticelli? He was similar. a famous artist. Okay. I think he drew women of fuller form. Ah.
0: Well, they got on him. Why not?
1: You're, now, this I is, knew that wasn't going to last. Oh, <laughs> now, I'm looking forward to this because um, this honour is bestowed upon you and no other. You're the first person outside of Roco myself to rant.
0: Wow, that's a that is an honour.
1: At the count of three, two, and one.
0: Well, I find it hard to sort of you know garner up the, the faux outrage and the faux anger that uh, you and Roco do so brilliantly well. I'm starting to. Yes, a part of me is starting to think that Rocco actually really is angry when he does those rants. But um, with me it's quite simple. Fan engagement, it's more like fan enragement. Seriously, I was at the game, I was at the ground on Saturday at the MCG, Essendon versus Carlton. The, the ability to think, just gather your thoughts is becoming a weekly battle with the blaring and the music that no one wants to hear. And these silly contests and these pointless interviews with people, no one knows who they're even talking to. Some hype, club endorsed hype person has just plucked some guy from some coterie group or some charity or some. I don't even know where they get these people. They interview them. You can't even hear the interview because it's just blaring. You know, the problem with AFL clubs and probably the AFL by extension, they treat footy games like they're basketball games, which are in an enclosed area, and the acoustics are perfect for this sort of stuff. When you're at the cavernous MCG on a dreary Saturday with the acoustics acoustics just going all over the place, music... Bongo Cam, Kiss Cam, all these initiatives that, geez, how did we ever watch a football game without these things? Like, oh, I I just don't even know how I went to the footy for 30 years without these things in my life now. It's just getting to the point where, I mean, there are times, I'm not even kidding you, there are times where you can't even talk to the person one or two seats to your left or your right, asking them, what their thoughts are on the game. You actually can't hold a conversation anymore because the PA system is just so freaking loud. Seriously, AFL slash clubs, give us a chance to gather our thoughts. Maybe in Eston's case, they don't want you to think about the game so you can't criticize what's going on. But other than that, I wanna actually, you know, talk to the mate next to me about what, you know, the first quarter, the second quarter. How do you think the game's gonna go? You can't do it anymore. PA system, cut the wires. That's my... What do you think
1: of that? Pardon? I can't... We can't be... Sorry, we have just got a call. We can't be beaten. Oh, yeah, it's hopeless. It's like, you know, somewhere along the line, the AFL and their... It would have been some first-year graduate out of a marketing course at La Trobe done, you know. some, Some nabob has decided that the average AFL fan or the one that needs to be won over, the... The hearts and minds of the football fan. We need to pitch our sale at a thirteen-year-old gamer with ADD. It's
0: it's such a good point you raise because the, with this whole, there are two things to this. Obviously, it's an overinflated AFL with all these people justifying their jobs to to show their superiors, Look, look what I did. I did something. Yeah. That's right. I I so, yeah, so yeah, that. yeah, so can I keep getting paid my my salary? There's yeah. that. But the other, the point that you raise there is such a good one because at the expense of the dog, they're actually pitching everything to the tail, yeah. which wags that dog. So yeah. that all these fan bangled initiatives, fan yeah. engagement. It's it's people that don't even really care about the game yeah. at, at the expense of the hardcore footy fans that love the game, go to the game every week. That's who they're sacrificing. It's just it's backwards.
1: Well, it's the same reason Tassie don't have a team. That's right. We're, we're there to win the hearts and minds of people not going to the football. That's right. We want to get those that aren't there. Those that are already there, they'll put up with anything. Let's be honest. We go for St Kilda and Essen If you're willing to go and watch St Kilda and Essendon play, that's right. You're willing to, then you can put up with any music and <laughs> any other form of fan engagement. Our time is up. Ronnie, but I think you're going to be back for one more. Week.
0: One more. One more week. Yeah. This was, you know, just the first the first trial run. First run. Yep. What they always say, they always say the you know most horses are good after the first run, don't they?
1: Back <laughs> a second up. I want to thank Ronnie Lerner and um, everybody involved, Andrew, and of course mysportlive.com for hosting the programme. This is Footyology TV. Make sure on Thursdays that you're all over the Footyology podcast, the preview edition and We'll be back next week when hopefully our teams are putting in a better showing. And I bet you, you hope your teams are playing them. (laughs) That's good. (laughs)